Welcome to episode 122 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie, and producer extraordinaire, Johnny Pham. Guys, we had a totally normal week six that we are going to try and unpack today. I'm curious how, how you guys are both doing after uh, uh, the Giants almost beat the Bills. The Jets did beat the Eagles. And we all forgot that the Chiefs scored 19 points against the worst defense maybe of all time by the numbers on Thursday night. It's been a week. Oh, well, and, and the Browns, Browns beat. Yeah, Browns beat the Niners. Yep, yep, that's Two fair. Two backup QBs beat two undefeated teams. So totally normal, totally fine. Uh, we're having some of the worst quarterback play in the last five years. Justin Herbert. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like we're, we're heading towards that trajectory the rest of the season. I think we only – I can pull this up as we talk here. I think there were only three or four quarterbacks who got over 20 points in week six. Yeah, I think um, the unders went like 12-2-1 this week. It was insane. It was four quarterbacks. So Dak scored 25 on Monday night to push it to four. And Herbert, 19.1, QB5 on the week. But four quarterbacks, top 20 points this week. It is is rough sledding out there for the quarterbacks and for offenses. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Well, if you started uh, Justin Herbert and took his receiving stats only, he was a better start than Quentin Johnston this week. (laughs) Uh, So it's perfectly fine and normal. I did have this fun stat from Ashley Network. Uh, For the first six weeks of the NFL, 78% of the games have hit their under. uh, And that's the highest number going back to 1975 when they first started recording unders. I think every time I bet the under, which – I've been I've been kind of I've adopted the system play approach of betting every primetime under or almost every primetime. I don't think I've done it for either Chiefs game uh, in the Chiefs games in primetime, but I bet most of the primetime unders and I don't think I've missed on one yet. So I, I definitely would have believed that that's that for sure. It's really tough for me because I think only quitters and losers bet unders. Uh, <laughs> I, finan- I, I, only only on the primetime games. You just got to make it a system play. Well, financially, uh, I am both a quitter and a loser with how many <laughs> unders I have not won or how many overs I've bet and not hit on. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. We're going to talk about some of those bad – some of those not bad offenses. Um, good offenses from last year that aren't quite as good this year later on in the show, but where we're going to start, Dalton, we've got some storylines, we've got some waivers, we've even got a couple of Who's That Pokemons bringing it back, and we'll bring Johnny back in uh, back in the fold for those here in a minute, but let's start with waivers, because we are recording a day earlier than usual, Tuesday night, we don't usually get to talk about waivers in the, in the sense of, here's what you should go do, we can usually just react to the guys that came off waivers and, and kind of talk about them going forward. So let's talk about waivers a little bit. We all know the stuff going on in San Francisco. What we don't know is what's going on in San Francisco. We know that McCaffrey is hurt. We we know that the, all, all the Twitter doctors are tweeting anything from one to two weeks to three to six weeks, depending on grade water, grade two, oblique strain. Uh, we're still apparently waiting on the MRI results. Uh, leave it to Shanahan to not give us the MRI results until – Wednesday morning after waivers have run in 90% of fantasy leagues. So we've got Jordan Mason. 
we've got Elijah Mitchell, but Dalton, there, there's some other guys out there who are interesting this week. We'll talk about first and then circle back to, to those guys a little later on. Uh, who are some guys that you're kind of targeting off waivers this week? Uh, I think some of the top waiver ads, this is not a great week um, mm-hmm. for waivers, in my opinion. Rasheed Rice is available in 64% of leagues and just had a blow-up game. Uh, Zach Evans is 1% rostered in re- leagues. I think Zach Evans, if I was looking at the slate, would be my must-add player. I think that he's going to lead the Rams' backfield over the so, next couple weeks. So if you were doing – oh, next couple weeks? So it, it's all, I think it's only one week for Kyron Williams. Are you just not buying that, or are you uh, – what, what's well, the process there? Uh, it's an ankle sprain and they haven't released the details of it yet. But if you remember going back to week one, it, they were like, Oh, Saquon can play within a week with his ankle sprain. And then when the news dropped, it was a high ankle sprain. Right. Uh, well, and three it's, weeks. It, it's never a bad idea to not believe Sean McVay. So, <laughs> so uh, the ankle injury for Kyron is the same foot. He's injured three times in his NFL career, which is yeah. a very short NFL career. So always pessimistic on things like that. Uh, and then Ronnie Rivers is out for five weeks, it looks like. Yeah, yeah, PCL. I think it was like a grade three PCL spray, and he's out four to five weeks. I don't know if he's officially on IR, but it sounded like that's where he was heading if he's not there already at this point. Uh, so I, I guess my question is, you know, we can probably assume that Elijah Mitchell is owned in enough leagues to where he's not a waiver option in like a standard 12-team league with decent-sized benches. But Jordan Mason is out there. Zach Evans, who you mentioned, is out there in virtually every league except for Dynasty. Um, if you had to pick between one of those two, whether it's, you know, to spend a higher amount of fab on or to to spend your, your position and, and waiver orders, uh, which of those two are you prioritizing? Uh, I'm prioritizing Zach Evans because, I, I like I said, the consistent foot injury worries me. It sounds like Christian McCaffrey might be able to play Monday on some of the reports today. And mm-hmm. then, uh, I mean, anybody who's listened going back to April knows that we're big Zach Evans fans here. Yes, I was going to say, if he is rostered in any fantasy leagues, it is by the the small but mighty half point per podcast listeners. Yes. Uh, li- listener crowd, because we have definitely pumped this guy up as a, I want to be clear, not saying he's going to come in and like be awesome this week and just take the job, but like just a, a guy that we liked as a prospect to, to keep an eye on. Yep. Uh, and I mean, we're, we've been questionable about Kyron Williams. Obviously the production is there, but a lot of his advanced stats, his rush yards over expectation, for instance, uh, is significantly, it, it's not great. And I know the offensive line's not great either, but I, that first half last week even was kind of uh, evident where he struggled. I think he was 10 for 12 in the first half, and then he blew up for the second half of that game. I'm taking Zach Evans too for a couple reasons. I, I know the, the situation is better in San Fran, but I think there is, there's the potential to be got like, you know, um, Royce Freeman may be involved. They just signed who what Daryl Henderson to the practice squad. Like you never rule anything out with the Rams and Sean McVay, right? Like it, it's not going to be the Zach Evans show. Most likely there's going to be other guys, but you know, Debo Samuels day to day. Could he play Monday? Maybe if Debo plays Monday, does he get seven carries? Maybe. Elijah Mitchell, we've seen him do things in this backfield that we have not seen Jordan Mason do. Do I believe he is better than Jordan Mason? No, I, I don't think that I do, but it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what the team thinks and what they've done. So for those reasons and 
you know, no matter what you think of Jordan Mason right now, of the opportunity he could walk into, the upside might be higher. It is, you know, wouldn't surprise anybody if Zach Evans came in and played pretty well over a couple weeks stretch, and then he's a star running back for three, four weeks after that, and then he gets benched again. You know what? Like we we see so many guys get benched and you know whatever in this offense that nothing will surprise me with this team. So I think the upside for long-term production is there with Evans. Like it's just not with Mason barring of course, another more serious Christian McCaffrey injury. Yeah. Uh, but I think this is yet again, good advice uh, to not roster cruddy roster anchor players. Like if you're still rostering Juju because you hope there's a breakout, yeah. you've been better off rostering a backup running back in Detroit in San Francisco or in Los Angeles. Yep. Yeah, agree with you there. Uh, we, we can just jump ahead, just, just pull the, the the whole Niners conversation into this. Now, Jordan Mason versus Elijah Mitchell, if Christian McCaffrey were to miss time, which of those two guys do you prefer? Uh, I mean, prefer, I, I would prefer Jordan Mason. He's just played better. Obviously, Elijah Mitchell coming off the knee injury, uh, he didn't play that many snaps. When CMC went down, I expect he's going to get the first crack at that job. Uh, and probably going to be the starter. Uh, I still like Jordan Mason better. He's better between the tackles, probably still their goal line back. I don't think either of these guys are going to get the CMC 95% of snaps treatment. So both are probably viable starting running backs, uh, like RB3s. Uh, mm-hmm. My other issue, and and they're going to be like a, a strong gust of wind, and <laughs> Elijah Mitchell's going to like hurt his groin and not play the rest of the game. Uh, I mean, he is as fragile as they come last year. Coming into week one, he had 12 different injuries listed on the injury report. Like this guy, <laughs> this guy legitimately is, is always hurt. Uh, Jordan Mason, on the other hand, has been as solid as can be. But Shanahan's comments really indicate that it's going to be Mitchell getting the first crack and probably Jordan Mason spelling relief for him here and there. He He's talked both guys up, um, but he definitely, when he was given the chance, he was basically steered into the question, like, is Jordan Mason going to lead this backfield? if McCaffrey doesn't play and he took that chance to say, well, Elijah Mitchell has come in and done that um, before McCaffrey and after McCaffrey and been as good as anybody, basically was something to that effect of what he said. So, you know, do we have to believe Kyle Shanahan? No, we don't because he's another coach who definitely lies to us frequently, but I would say as of now, I would give that edge to Elijah Mitchell in the backfield, but I'm with you that I personally would prefer Jordan Mason, like I said earlier. Um, if I were the coach of the team, obviously I'm not the coach of the team. Kyle Shanahan knows a lot more than me, um, so maybe I'll be wrong. But, yeah, I think for fantasy purposes, if if both are on waivers, sadly, I, I would say you probably should pick up Elijah Mitchell first. Yeah, I agree as well. All right, on to a couple other rapid-fire guys, and we can move on here, Dalton. I mean, I mentioned Royce Freeman in L.A. as another guy. Uh, Savin Ahmed, like, kind of proved himself as the number two back. Chris Brooks got carries late in the game. Um, Chris Brooks got injured, too. Yeah, he also got injured. Now, you know, Jeff Wilson will probably be back next week, but I guess I don't know. But also, I don't think it's bad business uh, to get a piece uh, of this offense. Now, will it turn into a stash pretty quickly? Probably, like, if these guys are healthy. But also, everybody in this backfield gets hurt a lot. So I don't think it's a bad idea just to to have a a piece of this backfield just kind of waiting in the wings for your team. If, 
you know, because like I, I'm going to pull up this chart. I'm looking for this chart right now. Um, oh, I just put it as a screenshot in my document. So I can't share the screen. Uh, long story short, uh, EPA per rush, the Dolphins are like at 0.12. The next highest team is at like 0.04. So they're like tripling the next best team in EPA per rush, which is the Seahawks, uh, funny enough. Surprisingly. This uh, season. Well, I know the other thing, yards per play, I think the Miami Dolphins are at 10.12 like, or something. Yeah. And the Bills are at 8-something, and it's a two-yard two difference. The difference between the number two team, the Bills, and the number 32nd team, the Giants, is also two yards, which it's it really is incredible what this Miami offense is doing. Yeah, and, and I mean – Oh, gosh, I'm trying to think of some other guys. You mentioned Rasheed Rice, which is a good one. Uh, Jamison Williams is uh, is a stash still at this point, but maybe he's still out there in your league. Uh, kind of a long touchdown, but still hardly played. I think he played 23% of the snaps. Uh, Josh Downs, Curtis Samuel, I think both guys that are probably still out there, and they're getting a lot of volume and producing and both playing quite well um, in their chances. And uh, Wondell Robinson, another guy who – you know, he kind of emerged as the top option and was quite useful. Eight targets, eight receptions for 62 yards. I think at this point, he's still just a stash. That offense has not scored a touchdown in quite some time. Multiple games were, were on at this point. So I don't think you can start him yet off of just that one game. But if he can keep this kind of volume going, he, I think, can prove to be useful as we hit uh, even heavier bye weeks going forward. But you're ready to puke on this one. Go for it. Latavius Murray. I, I had Latavius Murray because guess what? Latavius Murray has started the game. It was not James Cook. It was Latavius Murray yeah. who started the game. And he was the guy that they trusted on the last drive um, when they needed to try and burn the clock. And more importantly, just not turn the ball over in that situation with, with two carries and all three snaps of that drive. Yeah, James Cook's rushing attempts have gone down in every game this season from week one yep. now. Uh, Damian Harris, with his neck injury, is going to be out for some time, it appears. And yep. that, that gives red zone work entirely to yep. Davis Murray. Uh, and Josh Allen also has a career low in rush attempts. They do not want to run him. I'm assuming they're saving him for the playoffs. So with this bye week, McGinn, I think that he's probably a, a starter for some teams. It's very possible. Uh, Devlin Singletary is talking about another guy who who played some snaps, out-snapped Damian Pierce. Craig Reynolds, obviously Dave Montgomery, set the miss some time. Now Jameer Gibbs hopefully will be back. It sounds like he'll be back based on Dan Campbell's comments. But, you know, he's the running back, too, on a very good offense. He's a stash at this point. And then uh, Kareem Hunt, welcome back. Uh, started the game, got the first two touches. Now Jerome Ford did play more snaps and I think ended with more touches. But it was Kareem Hunt who scored a touchdown and I think had more fantasy points. And if this usage keeps up, he is at worst going to be a thorn in the side and at best a a guy you can start in a desperate RB2 situation. And then, like, I think they just proved correctly if they're going to have to play P.J. Walker, they're probably going to run the ball quite a bit. Like, I think that's just going to be how it goes. We'll see how long that lasts, but that is worth monitoring right now. Yep. Uh, last one, I don't know if you said him, but Jonah Smith. Uh, yeah. The Falcons actually lead the NFL in expected tight end points per game. 
I think they lead the NFL in tight end targets too, which is funny yeah. because Kyle Pitts, uh, while he is trending up, uh, it, John Ray Smith is still getting a lot of those targets. Yeah, the process was right. I scream into the void in week six <laughs> after drafting way too much Kyle Pitts again. Uh, my my last one, if he's still out there, which he might be, uh, Keontae Ingram, um, I think you're still going to get people pointing to the snap counts. In fact, I've seen it today. It was something like 42% DiMaccato, 37% Keontae Ingram, and 17% Damian Williams, which, of course, Damian Williams is, is going to play uh, a decent chunk because why not? Um, I would just say that I believe – 15 or 18 of DiMercato's snaps came in the fourth quarter with the team down by double digits. He had hardly played up until that point. And Keontae Ingram was not the unquestioned lead back because Damian Williams was still there. But I think he had won that first and second down job. And he even caught two passes, which I was not really expecting. Um, not saying it's going to be great production, but I do think he earned a chance to be the lead back again this week for, for the team. Yeah, and that one's a, a little nasty situation that I'm probably trying to avoid if I can yep. right now. But a lot of desperate people out there. So he's a starter running back with a pulse. So you know what? <laughs> he's, he, he's worth the pickup still. That's that's all you can ask for at this point. All right. Johnny, we're going to bring you back in. Uh, get a little who's that Pokemon back in. Real quick, before I forget, we do have a comment in the chat. Jacobs for Swift in a one-for-one. One. Um, I'll just assume half point scoring Dalton. I'm still taking Josh Jacobs over DeAndre Swift rest of season. Um, the upside is probably similar. The downside is not, which is why I'm saying Jacobs over Swift. What do you think here? Uh, yeah, I'm with you in the last three games since returning from injury, Kenneth Gainwell has increased his snapshot every game mm -hmm. and it's come at the expense of DeAndre Swift. Uh, and I, it sounds like he'll be fine, but obviously the, the injury to uh, who was it? Lane Johnson uh, yeah. hurts that Eagles offensive line. And then we'll probably talk more about the Eagles later, but yep. that offense I think is a little more questionable than we're lending credit towards. Very possible. All right. For anybody not familiar with who's that Pokemon, any of us who watch Pokemon as a kid will remember uh, this little drop. Who's that Pokemon? This really just gives us an excuse to have a little fun, play that drop, and talk about some guys whose maybe their underlying stats are a little bit surprising, or just maybe not even surprising, but we just want to talk about them. So what we're going to do, and I can start, is we're just going to read off a couple notes on the player. I, I always write, do not say, next to the player's name in all capital letters. I'm always afraid I'm going to do that one of these times. And Johnny and Dalton are going to try and guess which player I am talking about. Are you guys ready? Yes. We have a running back in the AFC. I will not go more specific than that. He has played 79% of his team snaps, which is tied for second in the NFL. He has a 12% target share and kind of shockingly has played in 96% of his team's two-minute drill snaps this season. I have one more hint, but I want to see if you can get it. I have two more hints, but I want to see if you can get it just based off of those two first. Is it Isaiah Pacheco? No, not Isaiah Pacheco. 
Funny, I actually have a Pacheco stat and the two-minute drill for later. He's the opposite. He's only playing in 11% of the Chiefs. Oh, wow. Which, it doesn't feel that way, but I guess it's true. Hmm. Uh, I need something. Travis Etienne. There we go, Travis Etienne. So the the hints that would have for sure given it to you guys, he is the RB3 this year, and he has the most touches in the NFL. Who had Travis Etienne leading the NFL in touches through six weeks? I certainly did not. It was not on my bingo card, but Tank Bigsby sold them at least two games. So I can understand yeah. the reluctance to put anyone else in there. Yeah, and ETN, you know, getting more involved in the passing game, which is which has been good to see. And he is doing what I think we've all known he could always do, and that's make guys miss. But he's also running a lot there between the tackles, doing a lot a lot of stuff better this year than he has previously. So it, it, it's been a, a surprisingly good year for, for ETN, who I think is kind of slowly for me going from top five running back by default because of injury to he's just kind of in that conversation anyway. Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, especially when you have the touches he's getting weekly, the opportunity is there. And he's been he's been better at the things he was bad at last year, which you always like to see. Yeah. All right, Dalton, go for it. All right. This is a wide receiver in the NFC. Oh, I hope we didn't pick the same guy. Oh, no. <laughs> Over the last four weeks. It'd be, it'd be really funny if we did, but we couldn't get it based off each other's heads. I know. Over the last four weeks, he's second in the NFL with 57 targets. He has 72% of his snaps out of the slot. And he's tied for fifth in the NFL in target percent. With AJ Brown uh, and Devontae Adams, I think we have the same guy. Amon Ross St. Brown. Let, well, let, let's let Johnny guess, and I'll come in and see. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I can't forget. Who's that Pokemon? It is not Amon Ross St. Brown. Tyreek Hill. It is in, not NFC. NFC, Johnny. Oh, oh, my bad. Um, Drake London. No. Yeah, I don't have any more guesses. <laughs> Is it Adam Thielen? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I I was afraid you were gonna come with them too. I should have come with a backup, but but yeah, I I thought I had to because you know, we've kind of and I think myself included had this mindset that oh what he's doing, it it's not gonna last. Like it Sure, okay, he's not going to be wide receiver five at the end of the season, I don't think, like he is right now. But I think he's got a lot more staying power as a top 12 to 15 receiver than I gave him credit for after kind of looking into Adam Thielen a little bit. You mentioned it, 72% of his routes are from the slot. That is not what he has done previously. And, you know, we've seen guys, Larry Fitzgerald being the most notable, who have extended their careers on the back end by being willing to go into the slot and do some of that stuff. And kind of surprisingly, 85% of his targets have been catchable targets this year, which, you know, if you, you feel like the sky is falling for Bryce Young, but he's kind of stabilized. Thielen's been good. And if that's the case, combined with the volume, like this is a legitimately awesome play right now in Adam Thielen. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, it's I think it's the slot snaps that are doing it for him because the offensive line is so bad right now in Carolina that they're just mm-hmm. trying to get it out as quick as possible. 
Uh, high tar- obviously, like I said, fifth in the NFL in target percent, elite level with A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams. So, I mean, he's an every week starter, high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one. Yeah, I mean, since week two, I think you had some similar stats, uh, but some of these are different. Um, since week two, he has the most catches, the sixth most receiving yards, the most fantasy points, and the most games with 11 or more catches in the NFL amongst wide receivers. And also, this was shocking. I saw ESPN Stats and Info tweet this out last night because CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott have an 81% completion percentage when Dak is targeting CeeDee. That is second highest of guys with 40 or more attempts to a receiver. The highest is Bryce Young to Adam Thielen at 84%. Wow. I mean, that's just (laughs) insane. Uh, Okay. That was my second one. So you hit us with your second one. All right. He's a wide receiver in the AFC this time. Okay. He leads leads team. It end zone targets at 33%, but he only has two touchdowns. He's currently the wide receiver 40, but he has a 74% catchable target rate, and his average average depth of target is 9.5. Okay, 9.5, which means he's probably more so a slot guy, although that could be borderline. Um, you Galen say he's caught. Waddle. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> Good job, go. Well, I've got, you, I, you said I got, slot guy. It's like, well, it's not Tyree Kill. I got too caught up thinking about that as Dalton was going. I forgot to play the drop, but great guess. Great yeah, guess. I was surprised he leaves his team at end zone targets uh, at 33%. I mean, he's getting targeted. His, I think his breakout game is coming. Did you guys see the Dolphins owner do the waddle? I did. No. I did. Oh, in in, in the – it was in his box, like right when Waddle scored a touchdown. So it was like he was celebrating with them from his box. It's not as cool anymore. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for indulging us on Who's That Pokemon. Uh, hopefully that was uh, some interesting stats. You know, just uh, I, I, I still can't get over the feeling stuff. But, yeah, I'm surprised on Waddle, too, because, you know, you said the breakout is coming. And, yeah, he is on kind of the list of wide receiver twos who are supposed to be one B's who have just not, I don't want to say disappointed for Waddle. Cause you know, he got hurt and he's been okay since he came back. Like you haven't been mad. You started him. He scored touchdowns, but he hasn't had the big breakout. So I, I agree with you that perhaps it is coming. Yeah. I, I think it, I think we'll be there soon. And the Tyreek Hill hamstring injury. Um, yeah, definitely adds some credence to that. Oh my gosh! What what just happened in our league? Uh, everybody's just putting quarterbacks on. Ah, okay. I, I literally just got like eight notifications at yeah, once. No, so everybody's like, oh trade God. blocking their quarterbacks. Ah, okay, okay. All right. Who's that Pokemon? One more time. We've got a couple questions in the chat uh, from Kenny State Trail that we will get to before we move on. Uh, to storylines and then close out the show. Should he trade DK and Jonathan Taylor for Raheem Mostert? DK's schedule looks terrible after this week. Jonathan Taylor's looks like he's a 50-50 split with Moss, and Mostert has HN coming back, which will affect his usage come playoff time. Um, Let's use this to talk about Jonathan Taylor because we had that as a topic 
for later in the show. Dalton, he he says, you know, 50-50 split. Are you sold that he's actually stuck in a 50-50 split? No, because he's too good. But I do not think he's going to be getting a 85 80% running back share like he had previously. Mm-hmm. That would be my take on that. And I also think Zach Moss has played too well to not see time on the field. Uh, and we still don't know whether or not there are any lingering injuries with that ankle that have led them to. And I don't, I mean, the Colts are starting Gardner Minshew. I don't know if they're going to run their franchise cornerstone, Jonathan Taylor, into the ground this year for no reason. It's possible. And, you know, I, different sport, but the, the Thunder just made a trade today where one of the guys outgoing, um, was really bad when he came back last season and hasn't really, you know, hit just it hasn't looked good in the preseason this year. And he was like a fine role player. And, you know, someone, a really smart basketball guy made the comment, like, I think we underestimate how hard it is to come back from a severe ankle injury. And this is what this guy had. Obviously, that's what JT has had too. So I don't think we could really put a for sure like timetable on like in two weeks he's gonna be like i agree with you i don't think it's gonna be 80 percent. i do think at some point he'll be more like the 60 to 65 close to 70 maybe percent of this backfield but right now i mean it wasn't even 50 50 he was it was almost 60 40 i think it was 43 percent of the snaps i'm with you that it we we just don't know health wise exactly what it's gonna be going forward like it maybe it just turns out like you said they view this as a lost season we just paid this guy he's going to be around now we want him to be around maybe not saying they bench him but maybe they don't give him 20 touches a game at any point this season so i think you're embracing a lot of risk with jonathan taylor but also in by doing so it's like kind of one of the bigger league winning swings you can take because if we are wrong about this, which this is just all us guessing right now. So if we're wrong about this, like, it, yeah, he could have 80% of the work and be scoring 30 points in week 15. That could happen. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm also not trading Raheem Mostert. I mean, just looking at that trade at this point, like it's just – his usage in the red zone and the way they're running that offense, it's just too good to give up. And I don't think anybody's willing to give you enough for him for what he's doing for your team. So you don't think uh, DK Metcalf and Jonathan Taylor for, for Mostert is enough? Oh, is that the question? I see DK, yeah. JT, and Mostert. Um, oh, should I trade D? Oh, okay, yeah, I misread. I misread too. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but I guess that shows you where mine's at with Mostert. Um, not that I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't make that trade from the other side. But – but yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you then that I don't think anyone is probably offering you enough. Like this is a guy that when you look at the weekly ranks until a chain is back for sure, he's going to be like the running back three. Every, every week. Maybe if McCaffrey has a play this week, we could see where he most as the RB one, which is that going to last to that level? No, probably not. Either he's going to get hurt or a chain's going to come back and eat into it. But or this offense will surely take a little bit of a step back at some point. I mentioned their EPA per rush play, but also like teams don't know what to do with their rushing attack right now. So even if it is a step back, it could be a step back to RB 13. Yeah. And which that could be what Jonathan Taylor is right now. That could be what, you know, Josh Jacobs, DeAndre Swift, you asked about earlier. It's like, who are you really trading Raheem Mostert for that? You're going to be thrilled with. I just don't know. 
Yeah, I, I just don't know if there's anybody you could do that with. And there's no one who's going to value him at like a Jamar Chase for most of trade, which is something – which and, is where he deserves to go right now. And and then for, for DK and JT, for JT, since we just talked about him pretty much entirely, I would just say I'd only be willing to – to trade him if someone's going to pay me for close to what he would be worth as a workhorse back. You're not going to get that full thing, I don't think, but you, close. Like if someone gives me 90%, you know, 90 cents on the dollar of a full value, Jonathan Taylor, if that makes sense, then then I'm listening. But I don't want to trade him for, you know, what he's worth right now, which is, you know, RB20. <laughs> like, I don't want to trade him at that value. Yeah, I agree. And then DK Metcalf, uh, I I haven't looked at his schedule currently, but he does say he's four and two. He has Cooper Cup, T. Higgins, Zay Flowers, Josh Palmer, Austin Eckler, and Dijon. Um, I if you're trading DK, unless you're trading him for a receiver you view as an upgrade, I'm probably keeping. I do have some concerns about this offense right now, but. Like just looking at his receivers, Cooper Cup and Zay Flowers is the only two that you feel great about starting right now. T. Higgins, I don't think he want to start until he has that first good game back from injury. Maybe it comes back to the bye, but I think we kind of have to see it. And then, you know, yeah, Josh Palmer is maybe the two, but we've kind of seen this movie with Palmer before where we, we just can't trust the player enough for him to be consistent. Yeah. Well, the last thing I'd say is uh, DK just came off of bye. So if you are trading him, you, I think you need to get plus value. Because yeah. that buy is going to be very important. Uh, even with you being four and two, you can probably weather it. But being able to know that DK is starting every week for you going forward. They also play the Eagles and the Titans in the fantasy playoffs. Both those have been pass funnel defenses. Yeah, but haven't been very good against wide receivers. Uh, just something to think about because you're looking at a playoff team that looks like a four and two. Yeah, uh, we'll answer this one real quick from Super C and B Challengers. Just got offered Hawk and Olave for AJ Brown full PPR. What do you think? I, uh, I lean wanting to keep AJ Brown here, but I, I can't. Like, I think this is a pretty fair offer. Yeah, it's a really good offer. I probably keep AJ Brown too. Uh, I mean, A.J. Brown, four straight games. He's been over 120 receiving yards yeah. ever since the the sideline debacle where him and Jalen Hurts were yelling at each other. Uh, it's close, though. I could do it out of the way. If you're really bad at tight end right now, I definitely could see you making that move or if you're stacked to receiver where you don't need a guy who's going to go 11 for 140 every week, then I can also see it. Uh, I mean, I, always, have, I I could always use a guy who's going to go eleven for one yeah, every week. Yeah, but if you, uh, you know, if you have enough wide receivers, that I know selling out the points together. Yeah, uh, because the Olave weeks are going to be hit or miss because that state's offense is hit or miss. Yep, agreed. All right, so we talked about Jonathan Taylor already through that. So thank you guys for the questions. Um, let's talk about offenses, Dalton, and what kind of sparked this for me is I, I saw Nate Tice tweet that basically offenses are scoring. This was before the Monday Night Football game, which I think only made this number lower because the red zone um, conversions were not great in that game. Offenses were scoring touchdowns on 53% of their red zone opportunities through six weeks across the entire NFL. That is the lowest through six weeks since 2011, which... Eh, 
You know, Nate made the comment that in 2018, things kind of swung the offense's way, and now this is kind of the defense counterpunch a, a little bit. Um, maybe too high has something to do with that. I, I don't know. But Nate had a lot of other stats in a follow-up tweet. Through six weeks, this was including Monday Night Football now, touchdown percentage, 3.9%, lowest since 2008, yards per attempt passing, 6.9, lowest since 2008. Yards per catch, 10.6, lowest ever. And I don't know how far back ever goes, but lowest ever in the in the tracking data that he's got here. And then, honestly, I don't – do you know what NY slash A even stand – I don't know what that stands for. Aaron, net yards attempt? No, it's NY slash A. I don't know what it means. Net yards at attempt, maybe? Maybe. 5.95, lowest since 2005. QBR is 88.2, lowest since 2017. Sack percentage, 7.2, the highest since 1998. So we know it goes at least back to 1998. Well, that's Sam Household, but anyways. Yes, I did. I had his exact tweet where they, you know, there's also NFL starting quarterbacks have not been this young on average in 60 years. Um, the sack thing, I think definitely, you know, we're seeing that be part of it. Um, basically, Nate tweeted that Sam Howell is like adding XP points for for defensive linemen because he holds the ball for so long. Like, I think his sack rate is 13%. Only Daniel Jones at 14% among actual starters is higher. Justin Fields, who we have raked over the coals for this exact thing, is at 11%. So even a couple percentage points lower, <laughs> lower than Sam Howell. Somehow. <laughs> Uh, but let's turn our attention to what we thought were going to be the cream of the crop when it comes to the offenses in the NFL. And now three of these four, I'd say, have still been good. But they just it just kind of feels like something's been missing with the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Bills, and the Bengals. I just wanted to – I don't know how you did these rankings. I kind of did it as – my confidence level in them getting back to close to 2022 form. Because I think if we just ranked the offenses from, from now to the end of the season, it might be the same, but I don't know. You can do however you want to. That, that's just how I did it. But I think number one, do we both have the chiefs? Number one, like we're most confident the chiefs were homers, but there's also some things that probably I think we can reasonably argue would make us most confident. Yeah. I I put the Chiefs at number one as well. Their EPA per play has dropped off by 0.02 from this time last year to this time this year. Uh, I trust the play calling, obviously. It's the biggest wide receiver. I don't know. I don't know if I trust it as much after last week. I trust the play calling as long as it's not third and fourth and one. (laughs) Then the play calling is fine. If it is, I... There's no nice way to say this, but also I think the injury to Justin Watson is probably a good thing for this offense in a lot of Maybe, ways. Maybe, he's been out playing MVS, so I don't yeah. know. Well, and hopefully that just means now, there's less MVS and more of – Well, what I was going to say is now not having both of those guys on the field clocking up two different receiver positions, that could be a net positive in, yeah. in itself. Yeah, um, and I still think Travis Kelsey is a step slower. Uh, I still think the injury is still bothering him a bit. Well, he's been hurt twice. He's been hurt twice in the first six weeks and hasn't missed just one game. Yeah. Uh, Also, this stat is from True Media, but in the NFL, 
the Chiefs are sixth in non-converted red zone opportunities, which, I mean, their offense is still ranked fourth in the NFL in yards per game. You just yeah. add in the conversion on those red zone opportunities, and suddenly this team is, I mean, elite of the elite. Obviously, two games, they kneel at like a two-yard line yeah. to end the game. Uh, so the, I think the, 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 the true media filter out the garbage time like that, or I wonder if that's counting in for that stat. No, I think it, if it isn't, then it's even better, but I, I didn't look like it was filtered when I was looking at these stats. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so it's all there in my opinion. Yeah. And like, you know, Rasheed Rice starting the, to separate a little bit from, from the pack. We'll see who else can step up uh, in that room. If anybody still have uh, some faint hopes for a couple of guys there, I, I did see, um, Somebody, I think, who works for is it thirty third? What's the website like thirty third NFL dot com or something? Yeah, you know what? yeah. Well, it's Trey Wingo's website. I think I sent it to you guys. Um, that it was a very encouraging game from Sky Moore. Now, not from a fantasy football standpoint, but just like a real life offense standpoint. And now, maybe that ends up helping him down the road, or maybe you know it just ends up helping the offense if he kind of can keep that up, and then there is more production to be had elsewhere um but that is at least a positive they're still at like 0.07 epa per play on offense which is still very good like they're having a a down start and they're still in i would say the top uh six or seven probably in epa i have to look at the full list i do know they're seventh in dvoa on offense so they're like they're right there as a top top eight unit um you mentioned the red zone stuff just to to throw out the more basic numbers here 54 percent of their red zone trips are ending in touchdowns right now. Um, part of that could be Kelsey not being a hundred percent. He is like the red zone guy. Part of that could be play calling. And, you know, I think part of that, like it's just been a lot going wrong in the red zone for the chiefs. Um, where it's like, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's good because there's not one specific thing that you deem unfixable, but it's bad where it's like, okay, like, are, can we really get all these things on the same page? Because, like, I feel like the protection has kind of broken down more in the red zone than at other times. Uh, Mahomes has made a couple of uh, either bad decisions or just uh, bad uh, decisions to not throw the ball. Um, like the the one that everyone's going to remember, rightfully so, is him trying to – basically he had Sky more open on a whip route. Now maybe he didn't have the confidence that Sky was going to actually get the first down after catching the ball. Uh, but instead of throwing that, he holds it, holds it, holds it, and then throws a pick with a guy hanging on his leg trying to throw it to Sky more later on yeah. in the play. But I think there's a lot of correctable things, and I think it was uh, maybe not predictable quite – I, I say to this extreme, it hasn't been that bad. But not predictable quite to this level that it was that it was going to be a, a slog for the offense. But had you told me before the year that Kelsey was going to get hurt twice, miss one game, play another one at not even close to 100%, play half of another game injured, and then play against the Broncos injured but but still obviously played awesome, I would say, yeah, it probably has not been an ideal start for the Chiefs offense because like there's going to be growing pains with young receivers, with this many young receivers in the offense. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think post-buy, things will even out better. We'll get a better understanding of how this wide receiver room works. Uh, not to like go back to the same old talking point, but Kadarius Tony still hasn't even been on this team for a year, missed all of the offseason with uh, injury, has gone up in snaps every week. If you exclude the Chicago Bears game, which 
I think is excludable because right. of the blowout. Yeah. Uh, and also he's like third on the team in yards per route run. So he's still doing all the underlying stats that everybody has loved about him. And then obviously Rishi Rice has been. And Tony, let, 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 may I just that Tony is the guy that gets open most consistently and gets man coverage of those receivers, in my yeah. opinion. And what well, everybody loves to uh, use man coverage on the Chiefs because Mahomes is a well-known zone beater with him and Kelsey and how yep. they work those open. So yeah, all of that. Uh, and then obviously the offensive line is playing great minus some suspect refereeing. That on. hasn't been an issue for a couple of weeks, kind of sneakily now. We're not talking about that anymore. It's weird when you run the exact same lineup with a different player in it uh, and they don't call the penalties. <laughs> uh, and then Isaiah Pacheco has been, everything is advertised. Yeah. He, he uh, is well worth where I think we rigged him. He's ahead. I think he's RB12 right now in fantasy. The touchdowns are continuing to flow and Clyde Edwards Hilaire is seeing less button time every week. Thank the Lord. All right. It gets interesting here, Dalton. Who do you have as number two on this list for you? Uh, this one was close for me. I ended up going with the Bills. Okay. I have the Eagles, but I literally switched it three times on my document. We are going to have some drastic debates here in a little bit then uh, because the Eagles are four for me. Oh. Uh, yeah. Um. The Bills' run game this year has been the best they've had under Josh Allen since his rookie season. Their rush yards over expectation uh, is top six in the NFL. Can I just tell you that that Bills fans think that that's why their offense is struggling this year is because they're actually running the ball well and so they're not throwing as much, which maybe. (laughs) Well, but if you watch the Giants game, they they just stopped running the ball and then their offense stopped moving it down the field. Um, Josh Allen – is the league leader in completion percentage. Like he is playing outside of his mind. This is without a game, without their rookie tight end Kincaid. Kincaid not being as what they advertise. Uh, Gabe Davis is playing better than he did last year. He's still a middling fantasy player, but real life, he's catching the ball. Last year, Dave Davis is catchable, or Gabe Davis was fourth in the league in drops. This year, on all of his targets, he has two total drops. He's playing much better. Uh, James Cook has been really good in the run game. The only problem with the Bills offense is they're refusing to let Josh Allen run it, which I, I would say the other problem, and, you know, he's a rookie, so maybe this will come. I would say the other problem is they're not finding ways to get Kincaid more involved because I think he actually has been good in what they've asked of him, but just they haven't asked much of him. Now, again, we've talked about this. There are reasons to slow play rookies that we can't always understand. So maybe – it is the right thing to do and it'll all work out, but it kind of seems like the key to making this offense more consistent, which is the issue right now is consistency um, would be a little more Kincaid and a little less uh, digs, 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 digs. What do you have? 12 targets in the first half against the giants. Yeah. Well, some of those I wouldn't even call targets. I know they get, Counted in the stat box to target, but a couple of them were like five yards over. But if you take out a couple, that's still like yeah, no, nine I, I, targets in the first half. Yeah, but absolutely, I it's definitely there. I see it, um, and I mean, if the answer is more digs, I don't, I don't really know if that's a problem for them. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it. I, I, it's never a problem to to, to force of the digs, but. Like it makes their offense less dynamic, more predictable, maybe more inconsistent because certain teams may be able to just counteract one guy better better than others or you know whatever the case may be i so i wanted to put the bill second and just kind of looking through the numbers i was like okay why do i feel like 
they're struggling right now. Their offensive EPA EPA per play is the highest it's been in the Josh Allen era. Now, it's only six games versus full seasons in other years, but you know, through six games, they've their EPA per play is higher than it's ever been in any of the previous, you know, three full seasons of elite Josh Allen quarterbacking. So I was like, okay, that's odd because I feel like a little disappointed with this offense. And I was like, well, maybe they've been bad in the red zone, but I was like, no, I don't think so because that was kind of the story last year and this year, not so much. They are converting 75% of their red zone opportunities to touchdowns second to only the dolphins. They're third in DVOA on offense, but this is kind of where, where the issue is from Fox. They are the fourth highest in variance this season, which means they're the fourth most inconsistent offense in the NFL. The other three teams below them are the Patriots, the Cardinals, and the Bears. So you have this elite of the elite offenses and then the Bills. And that that's kind of my hang-up right now with them. And, you know, that's kind of always been my hang-up with, with, with them. And I think it's cost them home field every year. It's, you know, cost them probably as a result in, in playoff games. And it just costs them kind of on a week-to-week basis um offensively obviously yeah um and that's the josh allen experience uh i mean he he is an up and down quarterback he is mr chaos incarnate when it comes to quarterback play Mm -hmm. uh so i come to expect that with the bills i i still have a strong feeling that this offense will continue to be good i think they figure things out too um but we'll see all right i guess let's do my two and your four Real quick, uh, and, you know, again, didn't feel too passionately about about the Eagles and the Bills at two and three. I switched it a lot, uh, but I had a pretty clear four in the Bengals. Um, for me, the Eagles, their passing game has just been a tick off. The rushing game has still been very good. It, it's right up there, like top four or five in, in success rate in the league. It just kind of seems like Hurts has been more prone to mistakes. When he gets out of the pocket, things are not going as well as you would expect for a scrambling quarterback when he's actually still getting out of the pocket to throw as opposed to run. Um, Dalton, you may have an exact stat on that. Cause I know the athletic football show had, had a, had a stat um, on that. Um, but here's the thing. They're still at, you know, 0.05 EPA per play on offense, basically right there with the lions. So like the lions who everyone is loving, the Eagles are, are still just right there with them offensively. They're kind of like the Chiefs where their issue is the red zone. They are 23rd in the NFL. 45% of their red zone opportunities have turned into touchdowns. So I just kind of feel like if they can iron that out, then they can get back on track, be more consistent, you know, just put up more points, more fantasy points on a week-to-week basis. They're still eighth in DVOA on offense. And, you know, I think this could just be a product of we didn't, as the, the the wider NFL, we didn't quite have a book on how to play this offense last year. We've kind of figured out how to disrupt the RPOs where it's like the passing game feels like if it's not deep bombs, it feels a little disjointed. Reads are more murky for Hertz clearly because he's making more mistakes than last season. So, but I, I just think that this unit has enough talent and they've still been good enough to where I have confidence in them. Uh, I, I, I disagree on a lot of things. So, obviously, Jalen Hurts is 7-for-7 seven seven this season, touchdowns, interceptions. Mm. Uh, not a good stat, 
Uh, when, so this is from Football Outsiders. It's schedule adjusted offensive efficiency. So this is adjusting for the defenses they've played. I think it's probably a similar stat DVOA, uh, but it puts them at 18th in the NFL in offensive efficiency. The reason for that, reading this article from David Klug, is they played the Vikings and the Commanders, who are the 32nd and 31st ranked pass defenses in the NFL. Those are the only games the Eagles put up above 30 points. Uh, other than that, and one of those games required an overtime uh, fight from the Eagles against the Commanders. Yeah, and I, I do think the Rams game was actually their best offensive game. I think they scored 23, but that, that was the game where, you know, Jason Kelsey gets him out on the sidelines because they're having the red zone issues. So could yeah. have put up 30 in that game, but the red zone issues kind of held back. Well, and then, and th- this is a stat from Nate Tice over at The Athletic. But if you remove tush-push plays, their EPA <laughs> goes from fifth in the NFL to 22nd in the NFL in the red zone. And I, I'm not saying that like that's not going to get removed this season. It's pro- it's very much so an unguardable play. Mm-hmm. But if teams figure out any way to prevent that or if they just simply don't get one-yard opportunities, like their offense becomes Chiefs-esque in what it can do in the one-yard line among – uh, red zone passing Jalen Hurts is 26th in the NFL in on target rate he's not throwing catchable balls he's not reading the RPOs correctly uh I think Shane Steichen was just a really really good offensive coach and then I do think they're really not using their weapons effectively from week two onwards Devontae Smith has saw a, a target rate that's in line with 34th in the NFL uh while all the targets have gone to AJ Brown like Devonte Smith isn't like an elite wide receiver one, but he's a good player. Uh, and then, like even last week, suddenly once their run game became human against the Jets, and I, I think switched from like twelve for twenty six or whatever, uh, their offense had nowhere to go. So it's a team that's very one dimensional. They're being forced into pass first situations. Doesn't seem to be working for them. And then their RPO success rate last year was fourth in the NFL. This year, it's eighteenth in the NFL. I mean, I just – everything they did well last year, they're not doing. Last year, they led the NFL in points through three quarters. This year, they don't even have uh, – They sorry, last year, they had 76 points in three quarters. This year, they have a total of 120 points through four quarters through six games. Like, they're just not – they're just not the same team right now. And I don't know if that's a result of losing Shane Steichen. Yeah, and like like I said, I, I do think um, you, can, you can also say that – Teams are maybe figured something out a little bit against that. We'll see how they tweak it going forward. I do think they still have good coaches there. Uh, well, we, we've got a Devontae Smith topic later um, that I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about him. What I am extremely curious about, though, Dalton, is if we're going to go with the stats-based argument, how can you have the Bengals anything but fourth right now? They are at minus EPA per play. That would be, if they finished the season that way, the worst mark of any Bengals offense going back to 2009. They've had some bad offenses in that time. That's the the kind of offense we're talking about here. They are a worse offense by EPA per play than the Bears right now. Yeah, um, but we're ranking going forward. We are. There's no – the only reason the Eagles have struggled is because of play calling. The reason the Bengals have struggled is pretty clear that Joe Burrow up until probably last week or maybe two weeks ago has not been Joe Burrow. Like he hasn't been able to drive the ball down the field. I think coming out of their bye this in I think two weeks or maybe this week, uh, the Bengals are going to be a way better team. 
I, not to like really read into the looks, but if you go back to the preseason, for no reason when asked about how they're going to do this year, Jamar Chase goes, I think after four to five weeks, we're going to be fine, which is also like the timetable. A lot of injury experts on Twitter were saying it was going to take the Joe Burrow calf injury. Uh, and I just, I believe that this team has a better success plan for their offense. They can run the same offense they ran last year once Burrow's healthy, and they're going to continue to put points up that way. So that, that's the big difference is I can't tell you the path forward for the Eagles, but coming out of their bye, Joe Burrow at 90% is suddenly making this Bengals offense a lot more dangerous. Yeah, I just think, you know, you're right going forward, but I think the, the Eagles have already said, like, again, they have some issues for sure, but their baseline is still, they are a, a I would say, a, a good offense in the NFL right now by most metrics. Um, whereas the Bengals have been one of the worst. I, I know injuries, I know all of that, but I don't know, man. I'm surprised to hear you say that you don't have questions about the play calling and the coaching um, with, the, with the Zach Taylor-led team because I, I feel like we kind of together have, have had these questions the last couple of years. I kind of feel a little bit betrayed by this. I do, but it's consistent, and I know what it is. And the, I'm stealing this from The Athletic because I do think they're right. Uh, the Bengals' like X factor in every game had been Joe Burrow's ability to throw the deep ball, and losing that had significantly cost them. And the last thing I'll say about their EPA per play, uh, I, their schedule has been drastically harder than the Eagles. Obviously, they get what is becoming – a century team in this Browns defense. Yeah, I mean, they're four of the with... six top performances uh, yes. defensively. Since, yeah. since, yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, this year. And then they got the Baltimore Ravens, and they got the Tennessee Titans, and they got the Seattle Seahawks. And I'm just looking at DVOA on football guys right now. All of those teams rank inside the top 16 in passing defense. Uh, so I, I think they've just had a hard schedule, too, uh, and – I, you know, putting up 34 points against the Commanders when I watched the Chicago Bears do it with mm -hmm. one receiver catching balls from DJ Moore, I don't know if that's as impressive anymore as I thought it was when I first watched the Eagles do that. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it was probably ever too impressive. I, I will say um, Joe Mixon is seemingly getting worse by the week. I have some concerns there. Um, there is no backup you trust to Joe Mixon. Like, for as much as Samadji Pirine is meh, at least you could trust him to come in and do kind of the adult things you need from a running back, whereas, you know, you just don't know with these younger guys. So that that is kind of a concern to me. And then um, you look at their tight end position. I think it did take a step back with, with poor Irv uh, compared to what they've had the last couple of years, whether it's just been health. Uh, run block. Like, I think as a receiver, you know, he, he's fine, but they kind of need a guy who can, you know, do some of the blocking stuff, but, you know, and he, it's just that it hasn't been Irv's wheelhouse uh, this year, especially. Uh, let me ask then before we move on to a really quick stock check and we'll get out of here. Um, you expressed some more concern than me about T Higgins when I had him as a buy low a couple weeks ago. Um, you are higher on this offense now than me going forward, do you feel any differently about T. Higgins, who is now even more of a buy low than he would have been a couple weeks ago when I recommended him before he got hurt? Yeah, well, not to, like, ruin the stock check, but first of all, like, one-to-one, -one, and they were drafted back-to-back, -back, so I'm okay with this. One-to-one, -one, I'm more comfortable starting T. Higgins week-to-week -week than I am Devonta Smith. Um, two, I saw a tweet on Sunday 
And it is so relatable, which says, I don't feel bad for you if you start T. Higgins. You did this to yourself. <laughs> because <laughs> it's true. Like, every week, you're like, oh, this guy, he's going to get it. And he gets 10 targets, two catches, and 20 yards. Uh, and leaves twice with, like, a rib and a wrist injury. Yeah. Um, but, no, I, like, going forward, I'm still comfortable with him. And the price is going to be something that, uh, like, I'm not going to spend a lot of money on. But I, that's just because I want to see what they do coming out of the bye. But the ranking here is like me thinking going forward that the Bengals get it together with a healthy bro. And I don't know, like, I can't tell you what's wrong with the Eagles. I can just tell you that there's something wrong with them. And I don't know what it is. is the That's fair. The two teams. That's fair. It's definitely more obvious what's wrong with the Bengals and the Eagles. That's definitely fair. Um, I would say on T that if the offense does bounce back to the degree that you're thinking, which even if it's not as good as last year, like if Burrow does get healthier, if they are able to go back to running, they're more kind of standard offense, that's great for T because I think on top of struggling with health, the way they have to play right now, quick pass, quick pass, quick pass, that's just not – that doesn't fit his skill set, whereas Jamar Chase can fit any offensive skill set you need him to. And then Tyler Boyd does fit pretty well into the insta pass. I will go ahead and say I just looked at their schedule. <laughs> it's pretty- next. The yep. next five weeks, they get the Niners, the Bills, the Texans, the Ravens, the Steelers. And then they finally get a plus matchup with the Jaguars and the Colts and the Vikings. And then they end the season with the Steelers, Chiefs, and then their last game of the year against the Browns, which won't matter. But, uh, I mean, the, <laughs> <laughs> the Eagles get the Dolphins, the Commanders, and then they play a, a little bit of a tough stretch. Uh, and then they end the season against the Seahawks, the Giants, and then the Cardinals. So, uh, not feeling great doing a little <laughs> schedule analysis there. Not going to lie to you. Was not prepared for the Bengals to be running what looks to be the gauntlet of NFL defenses this year. Well, they're in the, they're in the AFC North, which is a yeah. disadvantage. As far as that goes. Okay, I think we've exhausted this one. Let's get to WSP guys uh, in the in the comments who wants to know Green Bay or Commander's defense to start. Which, by the way, if the Browns are out there in your league as a defense, go get them because they, may, they, they might be. they coming off a bye and playing the Niners. Realistically, someone could have dropped them saying, I'm not holding a defense for, for two weeks and then picking them, you know, I'll pick them back up to play them. I am working on pulling up the schedule right now to see. So the commanders play the giants. We mentioned that the high sack rate of one Daniel Jones, maybe it'll still be Tyrod Taylor. Um, that is, I guess, unclear to me. And then green Bay plays the Broncos. I would go with the commanders because what? Go ahead. I mean, you can finish. The Broncos have been a pretty, like, by, just by putting up points, they've been an okay offense this season. Now, the Chiefs obviously did what they did to them, whereas the Giants, they literally haven't scored an offensive touchdown in, like, almost a month. I hear you. <laughs> the Washington Commanders have given up the most yards in the NFL, benched their first-round pick, Emmanuel Forbes, for their seventh-round pick, St. Baptiste, and have not had an answer defensively. Uh, and the Packers' defense at least won't let somebody put up, like, 40 points on them. In, in That's any true. There's, there's more downside. Yeah. Uh, and are we are we approaching, like, a Russell Wilson gets bench game? 
I don't know. I don't know. Just throwing that one out there. I mean, how bad for that offense would that really be? You know, I don't know. But the answer is, I it, it's a multiple choice question, and I know the answer is not Jared Stidham. That's my that's all answer to that question. I okay. If you want upside, they both have upside. But if you want higher upside, Commanders locked and loaded, ten points, Green Bay. That's my official answer. Also, I always bet on the team coming out of the bye, which the Packers are. Well, that worked well for the Chargers this week. Well, the, the other one, point two, I never bet on the Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dalton, quick stock report and get out of here. Uh, Sam Howell, speaking of the Commanders, uh, he has been a kind of fun player the last couple of weeks. Uh, stock up, stock down, staying the same on him. Uh, I'm stock up here solely because going back to the only reason I knew the the stats on them is because of this. Uh, they they're like leading. I know you're really really weirding me out throwing out these defensive stats off top of your head. Yeah, no, these are all up here on my Google machine. <laughs> uh, but the the Washington Commanders are like heading towards the Jameis Winston Bucks range, where a bad quarterback can have a top twelve season because their defense is so bad. Uh, and then this guy gets sacked so much that he ends up having second and 18s where he gets these like 11 down completions. Uh, like I said earlier, he's on pace for 97 sacks or he has 97 sacks, one or the other, uh, but to lead the league in sacks and have the most sacks in the history of the league. Uh, and then he has just an amazing core of weapons, despite how he uses them. Yeah. Uh, that resulted. I think Eric Bietamy has proven he's a good play caller here. Yeah. Uh, this guy, if you lost like Anthony Richardson, this is a great streaming pickup and a guy who's a top 12 quarterback this season in spite of a 0.9 performance. Yeah, I don't think that's going to continue, but I, I'd say slightly up. He, he's a fun player, and he's had a nice couple of weeks. And in the right matchups, I, I'm totally good uh, streaming Sam Howell going forward, I think. Devonta Smith, uh, Dalton, we know your answer is down. Um, my answer is down as well. And I will say, you know, we talked about uh, the Jets game earlier, you know, we might not be talking about this. Did you happen to see the drop he had in that game? No, it wasn't in zone drop. No, it wasn't in zone drop, but it was a second and like 15. And he somehow was wide open, like 30 yards down the field. And I mean, he's in the middle of the field and there is nobody else on my TV screen. And it just went right through his hands. And the announcer's like, he may have scored a touch. So he may have scored a 60-yard touchdown had he just caught that. So we might be singing a different tune. But I do think um, there is concern as to whether or not this offense can prop up more than one receiver on a weekly basis. He will have his weeks, but he will be frustrating because you're just not going to know. Yeah. No, I, I'm all with you. Stock down, uh, obviously – I'm not. I'm questioning what the Eagles are going to do. They this is a team that I think really needs their buy uh, offensively, and I mean the the offense. More AJ Brown is working for this offense for what it's worth. Like, yeah, uh, and there's no reason to go away from that. Remember after Week One when uh, Twitter was like, "Hey, would you rather have Devonta Smith than AJ Brown in Dynasty?" That was fun. This is like all off season. You listened to him earlier, um, but Matt Harmon was saying, like, people are asking Terry McLaurin or Jahan Dotson. It's like they're not yeah. the same player. One's amazing. One's really good. Yeah. It's the same thing in, in Philadelphia. Yeah. A.J. Brown, like, is a top 
six wide receiver talent. Devonta Smith's like a top 20. Like, well, it's like the people that say, and I think Wallman said this exact thing, you know, Higgins is, you know, better than Jamar Chase. It's like, no, he's not. Like, I love T. Higgins, but no, he's not. Like, Jamar Chase is an alien. T. Higgins is a top 15 receiver. There is yeah. There are levels to this. Yeah, yes. there's there's Hyperly. There's like Patrick Mahomes, and then there's everybody else. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, but stock down for sure on Devonta Smith. Speaking of aliens, uh, this is a guy who we were hoping could be an alien this league. Maybe he could still be, Dalton. Kyle Pitts. Uh, I'm saying stock up. Kyle Pitts touchdown? I wish we had like a celebration drop. Do, do I? Oh, wait. I got to say, I'm just fired up to be here today. It's pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. Pretty damn oh, cool. Three years. Pretty damn cool to be living in a world where Kyle Pitts has finally caught another touchdown on American soil. Is it his first touchdown on American soil in the NFL? <laughs> it was almost a full year, calendar year, since his last touchdown. Up to six targets this week, 11 the week before. Like, I'm not ready to fully say it's happening, but it's kind of happening. It's exciting. Like, he, he was moving better last week, finally, after looking like he was a 30-year-old man. Uh, coming out, you know, coming off of his knee injury the first couple of weeks. So all good things, all positive things for Kyle Pitts. Uh, I'm saying just even keel on this. Uh, in the last two games where Kyle Pitts has had high targets, it's been 37 pass attempts and 47 pass attempts for Desmond Ritter. Mm-hmm. And if you watch last week's game, Desmond Ritter passing the ball is just not the answer for Atlanta. Uh, yeah, Arthur Smith on the sideline. <laughs> I've never seen a coach more animated and more disgusted with what was being put out there. I don't until, know if- until Kellen Moore the next night. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> but I, I think this Falcons team, if they want to win games, have to get back to their run game. And then there's like this the Jonu Smith problem. Um, but just even Keel, I think he's like a good weekly 6-12 through 12 tight end. Will yep. always be there. Um, it's good to stay even kill, but the stock is no doubt higher than it was two weeks ago. Absolutely. But I do not know if the, the Falcons will continue to pass at this rate. And if they do, they're going to lose a lot of games. <laughs> Isaiah Pacheco, Dalton, um, he is level for me because, you know, I've, I, I think maybe for other people where he would be a stock up, they're catching up to kind of where I've, had him now will i end up being right in the end i don't know but i do kind of feel like this can be an i told you so moment for us as a podcast because we were both pretty flummoxed by the rb 29 draft rankings of of this guy who is the rb 14 right now and you know what it turns out he doesn't have to play 65 percent of the snaps guys he's at 54 percent of the snaps a nine percent target share and a 19 percent yards per route run both higher than James Cook, by the way. Double-digit rushes in all but one game. 19 targets, 17 receptions, on pace for 48 receptions. That is despite not playing hardly at all in the two-minute drill. So you can argue there's actually still maybe a little meat on the bone. He's doing nothing unsustainable. It's just been good production for a good player and a good offense. Yeah, uh, I'm with you, but I'm stuck up because – I, he's, I mean, he's even outperforming our rankings of, I think, RB17 we were both at, yeah. 17 or 18, somewhere in that range. Um, in addition to this, again, like, the Chiefs have an anomalous game where the entire second half they hardly played their offense against the Bears, which really changed things. Uh, 
Isaiah Pacheco has a higher success rate in both outside and inside zone runs this year than he did last year. He's playing better. He's healthy. Uh, his targets per route run is top 20 in the league among running backs. But like you said, the issue is he's not getting third down work. Probably will never get – or sorry, two-minute drill work, not mm-hmm. third down work. Uh, probably never going to get that. But there's still uh, – going back to like my preseason stat, there are 25 unaccounted for running back touchdowns on this team. I think there's a high priority. He gets more touchdowns going forward. He really hasn't had like a multi-touchdown week. Uh, and we even saw CH do that this offense. I think those, yeah. those weeks are coming. Uh, I think he's the answer to a lot of the Chiefs' third and one and fourth and one woes, which is – Yes. Uh, and I, I – again, I just believe in this offense. Um, yeah. I think stock up. I think he could be like a top 12 rest of season running back with the way the landscape is shaping out. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about him is his strength – is also the Chiefs offensive line strength, which is he's a great between the tackles runner, runs hard, runs decisively. And the Chiefs, when they get going, their interior offensive line is maybe the best or one of the best in the league at run blocking. Sometimes it's just about how often Andy Reid lets them do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the real assuring thing is he is taking snaps from McKinnon and CH yep. in the past game which I don't think a lot of people expected him to do. Yep, and still only 54% of the snaps. So, you know, if that even does go up a little bit more, and like you said, I think the boom weeks are coming, he's in a great spot right now, no doubt. Let's just, without segmenting the show, Dalton, close out on this Dynasty League note. Not a lot of activity in SFFL this week as far as trades. You know, kind of a, a pretty pretty standard week of results except uh those those rainbow raccoons they are fighting their way to playoff contention and as a result um brian down to three and three and noah who i had the goal to rank i think fourth or fifth in my power ranks also three and three those were undoubtedly the two best teams coming into the league this season dalton I think they're probably both still going to make the playoffs, but the fact that I'm saying I think is a little bit shocking. If you had to pick one of these two teams to close the season with a better record or just higher place in the standings, who are you picking? Uh, I'm still picking Noah's team, the Toledo Tanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of his problem is he has two – Tua and Lamar Jackson. He's and never once started the no, correct no. one. Every time you look, it's like, oh, Noah started Lamar Jackson. Well, there goes Tua for 30 points. Yeah. Oh, oh, he started Tua. Oh, here's the Dolphins game where he only plays two and a half quarters and Lamar has 30 points this week. I don't think he started the right guy one time. No. Um, <laughs> uh, but there's also, like, uh, our league is definitely suffering at quarterbacks at a lot of the teams that are contending, and Noah is one of the teams that can sell and probably come out Better And then even in a week where like Austin Eckler did his best Antonio Gibson impression on Monday Night Football and yeah. didn't really play that well. Uh, he's he did get, get punched in the head before the game. Let's go. He did. Might have been a little concussed. Uh, and then uh, going back to the, the Bengals conversation, he has Jamar Chase, who I think yes. is another the bye will be fine. Brian is going to be without Justin Fields, has start Brock Purdy, uh, lost Justin Jefferson, Somehow, some way, got Cooper Cup for what he got him for. Yep. Um, and that, I mean, this week's a big one for him because all those running backs aren't by, but he does play the frauds. He does play the frauds, but the frauds, uh, you know what? They, they've got a couple dudes still that they could maybe give him some problems. But yeah, I'm going with Noah for the reasons you said. Uh, they both still have trade chips, whether it's picks or 
or players that can go make some moves. Like Brian, if he wanted to, he could go sell Tajay Spears for immediate help, um, immediate big-time help. Noah could sell Lamar Jackson or Tua and get another starter caliber player at receiver, which he probably needs. Um, here's some unsolicited advice for you, Noah, I guess. But <laughs> but what, take, take or leave it, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Noah because I just feel a little more comfortable with where his roster's at. Because of injury, Dalton, anything else to add before we jump out of here? Uh, back just to Dynasty Watch. Uh, this this is breaking news, but Caleb Williams says whatever team drafts him, he wants ownership in the team. So we we will see. Maybe Caleb Williams doesn't declare this year because I doubt the Bears do that. <laughs> Caleb Williams, part owner of the Overland Park Priests, uh, breaking news. OPP. <laughs> and that is going to do it on episode 122 of Half Point Per Podcast. Give us a follow, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Half Point Per Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube link in the show notes. As always, we will answer questions as they come in the YouTube live chat. Give us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple, etc. And we'll be back with maybe a more normal or maybe a lot less normal week seven to talk about next week. 